0: And I would sit at lunch with some of the engineers I contracted and ask them to teach me uh, the technical aspects of their job. I would buy them lunch and I would sit by them and I'd ask them to explain stuff to me um, because I knew if I wanted to stand out that I actually should know what I'm talking about, which isn't very common in that field.
1: Awesome. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, everybody, welcome back to Founder Vision. Today, I'm speaking with Daniela Tudor. She's the founder and CEO of WeConnect Health Management, which is WeConnectRecovery.com. They, my understanding, Daniela, is that WeConnect is a health management app for people struggling with addiction recovery and mental health. Is that accurate?
0: That is accurate. And thank you so much for having me on today. Really excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so, so tell me a little bit more about WeConnect. Uh, how, how are you building an app that helps people maintain, uh, maybe not maintain, that's probably not the best word, but work with addiction and maintain their mental health while struggling or working with an addiction?
0: Absolutely. So uh, WeConnect came about from my own personal experience. I am a first generation immigrant here in the US and coming from an Eastern European family. Let's just say around the dinner table, we did not talk about therapy or Mm -hmm. behavioral health or anything like that. Um, And so when I had my past business, my co-founder for that who's my best friend in the world today. She approached me in the most unconditional loving way and helped me realize that I needed to get into recovery. And at the time I had no idea what recovery was. I didn't even know this was a health condition. I just thought that it was something I had to tackle on my own and that I needed to figure out. And so through a long series of events, which landed me actually in jail for missing my arraignment for my DUI, I entered a treatment program. And that's where everything changed for me and where the idea for WeConnect came about. So I uh, it, during that 28-day inpatient program, I recognized three major barriers that people face when entering recovery. And I just also want to pause for a second and kind of describe what recovery is, because it can mean a lot of different things to different people. Mm -hmm. There are so many different pathways that people can take and so many different things that work for them when it comes to creating healthier habits uh, in regards to their relationship with substances. And so for me, it's it's definitely abstinence based at this time. Uh, And when I went through that 28 day program, I recognized that when I would leave that program, I would just go back to my old environment I would have less human connection around people that were on the same path. And I saw that as a major risk to solve for. And then second, my counselor gave me this piece of paper that was like my treatment plan. And it described all these things I'm supposed to do on a weekly and uh, daily basis in order to stay in recovery. For me, that means meditation, support group meetings, therapy, um, and a number of other things. And so I thought, no wonder that people go back to their old habits if all you're being given is a piece of paper and also not having a reward around it. And so recognizing these three barriers is what led to the beginning of We Connect. I wanted to build a piece of technology, an app that's on our phones, which are with us 24-7, regardless of uh, what socioeconomic or background you have and provide that type of solution that would provide human connection, accountability to the activities that matter the most and ultimately get rewarded for it. So that's how the company got started. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you, I, I can see just one big barrier to recovery being that you spend this time in, in in a rehab or with a group of people. And during that time, you're connected to people who are in recovery, who are on this path and who are supportive. And then you go back from that into your life with just a, a slip of paper. And then your phone, you already have access immediately via text and social media to your entire existing life, including all of the enablers uh, in your life and other co-addicts. And yeah, I could just imagine how, how difficult it would be to maintain recovery with that level of discontinuity and how people would just end up in this cycle and in this yo-yo
0: Absolutely. It's so true. And it's been such an incredible experience over the last seven years to see how that's evolved, not just the product supporting people, but also how um, there are there is more visibility on this topic, especially with the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we recognized that people wouldn't be able to go back to um, in-person support meetings. And that lack of connection that you and I were just talking about or having the wrong kind of connection, the connection that's not encouraging these new habits, is a huge risk to people's recovery. And so we started these free um, online uh, meetings that are led by our certified peer recovery support specialists that support folks through the app, typically one-on-one. And these online group meetings that we started have already had over 700,000 people join them from all states, 30 different countries. And people are continuing to use these meetings even when stay at home orders have gone away because they're recognizing that they can create human connection in the digital space and they can get much easier and quicker access to the resources that they need. And that was I, I was surprised that it's continuing to grow after the pandemic. It looks like the pandemic actually helped shift the stigma and the perception around mental health and substance use disorder mm-hmm. in a big way to where people really want to want to get more help and are more openly talking about it and also using less stigmatizing language too.
1: Yeah, I really think I really think the pandemic put the gas pedal on this issue because and in, in one sense it really cut people off from their support. And in another way it cut people off from some of the contextual environments that might have minimized or limited their addiction. To some extent, you know, if you show up to work and you smell like alcohol, it's not going to go well for you. So there's at least some some limit there to what you can do. But if you're just at home all day and you're maybe working remotely or maybe you just can't go to your job at all, then, you know, all the all the things that all that disconnection that is really underlying a lot of addiction just gets worse. And this became such an issue for many people that i think so many people hit rock bottom and society as a whole had to just become more aware of the mental health issues
0: yeah uh you couldn't set it better which is that we saw overdose rates sadly rise by in the 30 percentile um since the pandemic has started Mm -hmm. and it's interesting you bring up employers because that's exactly right employers are now seeing that it's even more important than ever to provide resources that will help their employees um, stay on track and get the support they need. But actually, even before they get to a stage of severity with their substance use disorder to where they need to go to treatment, Um, because employers, like you said, see early signs of that in terms of productivity, maybe someone, you know, showing up to some meetings late, things like that. Turnover is higher when people aren't addressing their mental health or just maybe um, heavy habits around substances to where maybe it's not to a point where someone needs to go to treatment. And so when we saw this pattern in the last year really increasing, where employers are, because of the stay at home factor, they're like, wow, we really need more support because the human connection of being in an office is not there. And that was definitely a value add in that regard. Um, We actually just launched a program called We Connect Works And they're able to get uh, every employee can access in a confidential, private way uh, the free version of the WeConnect app that we just launched, plus access to contacting a peer support specialist one-on-one and getting the support they need. And that's for anybody experiencing any kind of quality of life concern, mental health and substance use disorder. So while our original solution is very much focused on um, recovery from substance use disorder, now we broaden out the free version and the meetings as well as the WeConnect works to be a lot broader because the two are very interrelated. In fact, over 75% of people with substance use disorder also have a co-occurring mental health condition that mm-hmm. um, they need to address, whether it's something as simple as like anxiety all the way to something more more complicated.
1: Yeah, there's often something that the addiction is, is self-medicating. Yes, yeah. that's
0: exactly right.
1: You got to get to that root. So... I'm curious to hear more about your journey from, from your own addiction into founding a company mm-hmm. that, uh, that not only helps others follow this path with you, but also represents uh, a shift in your own experience and your own consciousness and your own life. And can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to go from recovery to, I mean, did you work in tech previous to this? Was this something that was new for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my addiction really started taking off when I was, well, in terms of substances, when I was 17, I went to college, University of Washington a year early. Um, before substances, I would say I was addicted to overexercising and overachieving. And it all came from just trauma I experienced by moving several different countries, living in immigrant asylums in Germany after communism fell in Romania. And I just never treated it. I didn't know how to deal with all the feelings and emotions from changing environments so many times as a kid and mm. experiencing bullying and a number of other other things. And so when I landed in college, I knew I wanted to make an impact in the world, didn't know what that was going to look like, um, and also started drinking and, and using drugs pretty heavily. And I got an opportunity to take like, it was like a customer service contract or something working at Microsoft And I dropped out of college, took the job, and started just like learning about tech as much as I could and was really fascinated by it. And on the side, I actually uh, was running a DJ booking and nightclub promotions company. And it's funny because my co-founder for that, he's actually in tech now. He has a hardware startup. And we always joke about how like nightlife taught us more about business than any any college class. (laughs) So... Um, so did that. And um, and shortly after that contract was sort of coming to an end with Microsoft, I met somebody who needed someone that uh, could be an account manager for a consulting firm. And so I ended up running uh, Microsoft as a client for this consulting firm, hiring system engineers and software developers. And I would sit at lunch with some of the engineers I contracted and ask them to teach me. Uh, the technical aspects of their job. I would buy them lunch and I would sit by them and I'd ask them to explain stuff to me um, because I knew if I wanted to stand out from other recruiters, I actually should know what I'm talking about, which isn't very common in that field. Um, so uh, so did that, loved it, um, and then kind of veered off and did another small business that had to do more with music and art. And that's where my co-founder told me that I really needed to go get help and and get the support I needed and so, when I got this idea for WeConnect, had a couple really unique things happen, which is one, I got a job. I knew that I needed to learn native apps specifically, so I got a job at a engineering firm that specifically built mobile apps. And I told my boss at the time, I said, "Look, like I'm working on the side project. I just want to be transparent and let you know if it ever starts taking over my, uh, you know, my my thought process and my work." at the full-time job I will let you know and I w- and I will quit. And he said that's totally fine just like stay honest with me. So basically nights and weekends I started pitching WeConnect at a bunch of pitch competitions not because the money is good in those but because it gets you to practice for the real investor meetings. Mm-hmm. And during that time on Facebook I saw this advertisement for a contest and it was for Richard Branson's island and it said Uh, If you enter your top three bucket list items based on creativity, we're going to choose a winner to go to Richard Branson's Island for Necker Cup. And Hmm. odd series of coincidence that I had actually journaled in a journal prompt in treatment. And the journal prompt was something like, if addiction wasn't going to hold you back, like, what would you do with your life? And I was like, I would make an impact in multiple industries and like really help people kind of like Richard Branson. Like, this is what I actually wrote in my journal prompt. And so I entered this contest. I submit my top three bucket list items. I see this was sponsored by like this company who manages bucket lists with brands. And so I created an account in the app and filled it out and I won the contest. And um, I I ended up taking one of um, the women that supported me in recovery through a 12-step program with me. Uh, She was a really young uh, uh, individual who I don't think had like left the the country that many times, but we packed up and went to Necker Island, and it was during that trip that I saw a very enthusiastic person on the tennis court who wasn't drinking like everybody else. And I came back from that trip, and someone in my outpatient said, "You know, my ex girlfriend's sister is married to this guy named Murphy Jensen. He won the French Open in 1993." He's been in recovery for a bunch of years and he wants to do something more meaningful with, um, with his life. And so, um, you should talk to him. Uh, he's currently working at a tennis resort, so he wants to do something with, you know, maybe a little bit more meaningful and, and add to the activities that he's doing. And so we got linked and that became my co-founder Murphy Jensen.
1: Nice. So so you've spoken a lot about substance use disorder and do you also do you also work with other types of addiction like behavioral addictions digital addictions anything like that
0: yeah so our app can be used for process addictions um you know uh, it the app is based on the science of what's called contingency management which is an academic way of saying giving people rewards for changing their behaviors hmm. and so notionally what the app does is when you log into by GPS or by URL into an activity that supports your recovery from whatever that looks like. Then you get credit for that in the app and you earn a reward, uh, typically in the form of a gift card. So people have used the app who are in recovery from gambling, from other process behavioral addictions. We don't advertise that, you know, each of them uh, fully, but the app is available to those that are looking to basically change their relationship with some behavior or something that is harming them. We Mm -hmm. are looking into the data right now and seeing like what other areas where we can really make an impact and should be expand more specifically into some of those. But right now the app can be used for those folks, especially the free version. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm curious how how do you do your your user research with this app and keep it in iteration with the market and given um, you know given this unique market segment how do, are you measuring outcomes somehow are you surveying surveying users what's the way that you're keeping this app connected to reality and ensuring that you're helping the people helping people the most that you possibly can.
0: Yeah, great question. So there's several ways that we do that. Um, We measure engagement in the app. We look at what types of activities people are logging into. And then there's uh, two different types of surveys that are in app that we get feedback from our customers. One is more, um, you know, has this app helped you with your recovery? So it's more like an MPS type of score survey. Um, you know, have you used since last date uh, the substance that's, or the behavior that's problematic use and so on. The other one is an actual uh, assessment for recovery. It's called Bark 10. And that one uh, asks very specific questions about mood, about how you're feeling the last month, those types of things. And we measure that. So those are the, for the people that are on the app separately our product team uh, has an ambassador program and also focus groups that they do with uh, folks that want to participate that maybe have never even used our app before but are people in early recovery as since that is our target since the first two years of recovery are the most important Um, and then we get measured by our um, health insurance partners and our provider partners uh, on success so in our contracts, basically, we get measured by certain engagement metrics, uh, health plans and, and providers also have their own assessments that they're beholden to in order to get their funding. And so some of those metrics are actually tied through uh, engagement in our app. And then the one that is the most important but takes the longest to get is uh, based on claims data. So actually looking at claims and looking at the reduction of people going into the emergency room an inpatient program. And so, for example, uh, one case study that we did, it was out on the East Coast and it was with with a Medicaid plan. And they took 100 people, put them on WeConnect, and then they looked at 100 people that were not on WeConnect, but all of these people were under the same plan going to the same medically assisted treatment clinic for their medication. And within 90 days, we saw a decrease in emergency room readmits by 15%, uh, an increase in Keep people keeping their medically assisted treatment prescriptions on track uh, at above 70%, and then all, or uh, at above 35%, sorry. And then also an increase on people attending uh, their primary care physician office uh, appointments. Um, and that was nearly in the 70% pile, which means that people were actually going to their appointments to take care of some of the interrelated health issues that they have. So the assumption is, is that in two years, the costs will be driven down for things that are really severe like other chronic conditions that are exacerbated by by addiction. Yes,
1: yeah, so I can I can see how this would be really important for insurance companies and I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how this interacts with insurance. Does does insurance pay for this app and if so what are the associated costs? And I could also imagine that insurance might give people like cost breaks or discounts whether they take this Whether they're using this something some program like this that has proven effectiveness, Uh, yeah. yeah, Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, great question. So yeah, so the health plans um, and or providers that are clients pay for the cost of the app because they see the cost savings obviously to be uh, um, something that is important to them, and so the cost takes into account the service of the peer recovery coaches working with the patients one on one. The technology, use of the technology itself, um, us working with them as a client and implementing it. So like marketing materials, um, you know, actually spreading this in the neighborhoods and the providers where the patients are going to be. And then also the rewards themselves. So they'll pay for the rewards program that the individual is on. And that's, I mean, as difficult as it is to be B2B2C in the healthcare industry, um, this is the route I wanted to go because I wanted people to get it for free. So essentially, when someone signs up on the free version of the app, they can check the legibility. They can enter their insurance information and instantly, if they're eligible under a plan that we're covered, then they get the full suite of services, be able to earn rewards and access the peer coach that they get assigned to.
1: Danielle, when you, when you were first getting started, how did you um, get new users to, to start with and how has that changed over time?
0: Yeah. So, um, at first, obviously having gone through a treatment program, we went out to treatment programs first, also smaller businesses. So we thought the sales cycle would be a lot shorter. And so we approached essentially treatment centers and asked them if they wanted to buy and use the first version of the app, uh, essentially when we first developed it. And it gave us data that the app is very engaging and it works but at the end of the day, you know, uh, treatment centers can be a great implementation channel for us, they can provide this as a free resource now to people, but they weren't the ideal uh, customer in terms of allocating resources to like help people uh, get onboarded and then monitor them long-term because obviously the treatment centers are there to help people in the short-term in the first 30 days and just get them back on their feet. So it was a great sort of beta test, I would call it, to go through the treatment centers first. Once we got the data that the thing worked, then we started going out to our long-term business plan, which has always been the health insurance companies and getting coverage from them.
1: How large has your user base grown?
0: Yeah. So, uh, over time we've had over 10,000 folks join the program. Um, And now we just kicked off this year with the largest insurer in the country uh, as of January earlier this year. So now we're seeing those numbers exponentially grow. Also, since we've just launched the free version of the app only eight weeks ago, we've had 3000 people uh, join. So now we're seeing that final exponential growth in our our user Hmm. base.
1: How did you decide what to include in the free version of the app? Versus the premium version, uh, and what were you optimizing for in making those those calls?
0: Yeah, um, well, we had two things to consider: is you know what can we what is already you know free the online meetings. I always wanted to to be free, especially with the pandemic. I wanted to do something to help anybody and everybody out there, and so it was easy to see the success of those online meetings, which we run with a couple other partner organizations. Uh, and we embedded those into the app. And then also the ability to see your own progress and stay accountable to activities. Like that doesn't take any extra cost or uh, labor in a pure sense. Um, And so basically those are the features we decided to embed into it because we know that they're engaging, but also it would allow us to help anybody and everybody and scale at a very rapid rate. Whereas with our peer recovery support specialists, they, we have a limit on how many people they can serve, obviously. Um, and that is, and, and we want to make sure that they don't get burnt out. We want to make sure that they give ample care to each person that they work with. So that's a service that, you know, requires investment and, and payment on an hourly basis. And then also the incentives, like the rewards, which are passed through uh, cost for us. We um, don't have those covered or donated. Those are, that's something that needs to be paid for. So...
1: How does the peer support work um, in the app?
0: Yeah, so we have full time employees that are certified peer recovery support specialists. So for those listening that don't know what those are, the way that I describe it is like kind of like a social worker that is in recovery themselves, um, whether it's from something mental health related or substance use disorder or both. And so they've gone through a certification process. Um, whether it's national or state, for the state that they reside in. They're trained in crisis intervention, in providing referrals, and then working on something called recovery capital planning, which is a academic way of saying like meeting people's basic needs. So um, essentially these peers, what they do is they contact the individual through the app once they get assigned to an individual, which is done by someone in the background and we connect triaging based on demographics. So you get matched with someone, you get a nice message in the app saying, hey, I'm your peer, I'm here to support you. At that point, the person has the choice of, I just want a support message from you once a week, all the way to, I want to do recovery capital planning. So like help me with finding shelter, food uh, resources, um, referrals to a new therapist, um, helping me with setting up activities in the app and like checking in. And being a true peer, essentially someone with lived experience that can relate to what you've been through, that you can always connect with. Hmm.
1: Yeah, fascinating. Can you can you talk a little bit more now about the the technical journey? Um, I'm curious, you know, what bottlenecks you might have experienced as you started hitting these different points of exponential growth, and how you how you prioritized features uh, with the You know, with the available velocity of development and how you scaled your team and where you're at right now as far as team size and engineering velocity.
0: Totally. Um, So we we run on, you know, typical uh, two week sprints. Um, We have a full time team and then we have an adjunct team out of uh, Uruguay uh, that is really awesome. They really feel like they're part of our team. We've been working with them for years now. When I first started, I actually brought on that. You remember 20 minutes ago, I mentioned the mobile app development firm that I worked for
1: mm. while
0: uh, wireframing Connect nights and weekends. So at the very beginning, I actually brought them on to help us with our, I would say, our alpha <laughs> build, um, which was it wasn't even based on the science of how to um, really set up a rewards program. But basically, you could earn Starbucks gift cards by engaging with a limited amount chunks of activities in the app. So it was like very bare bones. So I guess when I first started, we wanted to prove that giving people rewards for engaging in things that are good for them would work and would yield some sort of interest and engagement. So that was first. Um, We did have one in-house engineer, uh, you know, managing that process alongside with us. But um, really at the beginning, we actually contracted that firm. Then we moved into okay, like this is notionally working, but we need to obviously build it out. And we also brought on someone that uh, had a really great background in data and research. And they looked at the research of contingency management, which before companies like us and before us, uh, contingency management was dispersed in in a way that wasn't very effective. It was still effective, like it still performs better than other, other forms of treatment. But usually people would pull out a raffle ticket for their reward, or they would get some sort of voucher in the mail like two weeks later. Um, And these were run through usually some sort of government program for staying Mm -hmm. engaged uh, in your recovery plan or for basically having um, a a negative uh, urine test to show that you're still in recovery. And so what we did is we looked at the science and research behind that and crafted a plan and a structure that would front load the rewards at the beginning of the year because mm-hmm. that's when you really want to get people engaged uh tapering off as intrinsic rewards uh mechanisms start taking over in the app and then also the immediacy of being able to earn the reward was really important
1: yeah just having having that tight feedback loop with the reward
0: exactly giving it juice so that's that's i would say that was another really major milestone then the third phase of how engineering and product has evolved is that now you have uh, two competing streams that usually uh, have the same motivation, but not always. So there's obviously the people that pay for our product, which is the health insurance companies, and then there's the actual end customer. And the way that we philosophically go about those feature requests, and when anybody at the company comes up with a feature idea or product does their research and stack ranks those as we first and foremost prioritize, like, what is going to give more people access to the app? And then also what are features where both the interests of the paying customer and the end um, customer overlap. And that's how we sort of prioritize stuff for the most part, there's always going to be exceptions, but Mm -hmm. that's really for the most part, how we prioritize that um, once we start getting really traction with with paying customers. Um, So today, uh, our engineering team, I would say, is, is still fairly tight uh, run ship. Overall, the company size, we're at 55 people total, but that includes all areas of the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I'm curious, one more thing. You, you had mentioned this process or this, I guess, this tapering uh, of rewards. When people start using the app, they get a lot of rewards because they're, the rewards are really salient at that point. And then it transitions to intrinsic rewards. And also at some point, you're financial rewards probably get uh, diminishing returns. And so I'm curious then as that process continues, is there a point where people end up just weaning off of the app and they're into a stable recovery on their own? Uh, or maybe there's a mix. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to what extent people end up continuing to use the app long-term and uh, to what extent they they don't need it anymore.
0: Yeah, I would say that's a question we're constantly monitoring because we're still, you know, in the first 10 years of our of our own journey with this. Um, Generally, someone that is in recovery will want some kind of support for the rest of their life. Um, And so we do think about how that experience can continue to be with us and in the app. We have folks that have used our app for several years and that's really exciting. Um, And the way that we're thinking about it now is like, how can we add more gamification elements, um, more digitized elements in addition to the monetary rewards? How can we add features where actually the reward is then being able to give something to someone else? Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are all three major categories that are getting built upon right now with with some really exciting features that will be coming up. So I feel like you're predicting some things here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exciting. Well, Danielle, we're getting close to our time, but if, if anyone here is listening, any, anyone who's listening is interested in checking out this app, and I know that this goes through insurance companies, but I'm sure that individuals start the process, how can they find you? And is there any anything that you can offer? that uh, maybe maybe something we can give to our listeners to to get them started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So anybody, no matter whether you're insured or not, you can access the free version of the app at weconnectrecovery.com backslash free.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciated this chat and I wish you the best. I really love what you're doing in the world.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.